Welcome to the Dry Ground Project podcast. Our goal is to create a global community of professionals caring for young adults aged out of orphanages and foster care. That's what we do. I'm your host, Callie. And I'm your co-host, Amanda. Welcome to the Dry Ground Project podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the Dry Ground Project podcast. I'm here with Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm doing great. How are you this morning, Callie? I'm also doing great. I'm on my second coffee already. Excellent. Went to the gym, walked home, saw you. Saw you. Took a shower. I'm thankful. Yeah. But in any case, today is episode six of our podcast. And today we're talking about the practical side of working with people who hurt. Yeah, we are. So... You may have heard us talk a little bit about what we do in our day jobs before this podcast, but we really want to dive into the day-to-day, the nitty-gritty. So, Amanda, please explain your job and your life to the podcast listeners. In five minutes or less. Um, So, I am the CEO and founder of Lighthouse Transitional Care, which is an organization that works with young adults between the ages of 18 and 30 that have aged out of orphanages or foster care. In our country, most of the care is orphanages, but there are a few just out of family care situations that we kind of interact with uh, week to week as well. No, that's great. Well, we live and work in Latvia. How did you end up here? Yeah, I um, ended up in Latvia in 2009 because of a connection with my home church in Texas of all places. And I just came for a short-term mission trip, 10 days, um, just helped at camps and connected with people in that city. And I just fell in love with the place and knew that it was home for me. And I kept coming back year after year um, to help pretty much wherever I could and got connected with some camps um, that worked with kids in the orphanage. So it was at those camps where I just... I think God was doing something in my heart to introduce me to serving the orphan, and it wasn't a job that I sought out or wanted. Uh, As a matter of fact, I ran from it for a few years, trying not to engage in these camps. Um, But after I got connected with kids from these camps, I knew that I wasn't going to do anything else with my life. And that was how I saw um, the crisis taking place for young adults who are turning 18 and leaving the orphanage. Yeah, and that's happening worldwide, essentially, and that's a big reason why we're here. Um, And we have listeners all over the world, I hope. Um, Let us know where you're listening from, if you're listening. Um, But what is different about working in Latvia than anywhere else with aged-out adults? Hmm. Hard? to say mostly because this is where I've worked with um, young adults coming out of orphanages and foster care. Um, Latvia actually has a pretty good system in place for young adults who are leaving the system. They have lots of resources available. Um, one of the things that we work with, in, and that's quite challenging, is getting youth connected to the resources that are available to them. So I have heard in the States depending on the state you're in, there might be less available to former foster youth. And we are pretty fortunate with what the state offers here. It's just a matter of connecting the dots. 
Right. And we believe that the most important thing is connection, which is what we try to provide. So, yeah. So you started this organization. You pulled me and my husband in to work at the lighthouse. Um, So we've been here about three years now. And um, so that's our day to day. And now can we move forward and why don't you tell us a little bit more about what we do day to day? What is our routine like and why is routine important? Mm -hmm. Yeah, our day to day, it's probably easier to break it down by the week because we've built in some really good rhythms to help our staff and our youth know what to expect at the lighthouse from, from week to week. And one of the things that we do is we sandwich our working with youth days between two kind of administrative days so that everyone on the the team has a chance to get what they need to done before jumping into um, working one-on-one or in a group with our youth. Yeah, and we should note we're a staff of five, so we're pretty small still, Mm -hmm. growing, but still small, and so we're able to have a lot of flexibilities in creating these rhythms, and I personally really appreciate those admin days because it allows us to do things like answer email, do marketing projects, record the podcast. What else happens in a week? Yeah, so um, we, we have those, those two admin days that, that kind of sandwich our week. So the middle of the week for us is um, a little bit more busy, <laughs> you could say. Uh, Tuesday through Thursday are when we have our events with our youth. So Tuesday is hangout, Wednesday is Bible study, and on Thursdays we do our life skills classes. Um, And so that's how we've broken up our week. We also break up our routine on that day-to-day, right? The first half of the day is usually just kind of office time, getting what we need to done. Um, But pretty much from 4 o'clock on, our office is very crowded, (laughs) And we have youth coming in and out. Some of our youth are almost always early to our events. And so we get to see them a little bit before they can jump in uh, to the, the life skills class or, or the Bible study that they've they've come to. And we build routine in even to those like individual meetings and classes. Do you want to even talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I guess for those listening, if you haven't figured it out by now, you know that I really like routine. So <laughs> I've, built, I've built these routines to help make my life predictable. Um, but it also really helps with our youth who have lived in such unpredictable um, situations for most of their life and helps them feel safe, helps us feel safe, and helps everything kind of be predictable. So our life skills classes are structured in a very specific way. Um, so you, you come in and you get your water and your snack. You have a seat. We do a check-in for the day, uh, which we call high-low buffalo. So it's something good, something bad, and something weird from the day. And then after that, we jump into either an activity that will dysregulate all of us and then an activity that will regulate or straight into our lesson. We kind of break it up between those, those two things. And we end with everyone getting their coats and walking down the stairs together. And then we all say goodbye on the street. It's become kind of a tradition now, <laughs> a part of our routine. So what is the rhythm of a one-on-one meeting with one of our youth like? So the one-on-one meetings are um, a greeting. Always starts with a greeting, usually with a nickname or a hug or a high five. Um, since we know our youth really well, uh, we can we can do that. 
then we get water and a snack for both of us so that we can head into our meeting um, empowered and with our bodies working the way they need to work. I will also usually do like a scan of what sensory needs might need helped with when with a young adult. So like, okay, they need a weighted blanket or, oh, I need to make sure to have like the poppet out on the desk or, you know, something else. I want to make sure that I am scanning and aware of what sensory needs might need helped. Then we, once we've done all of that, we sit down and we have our, our one-on-one meeting and we usually wrap up with kind of the same segue, a transition out, like, all right, in 10 minutes, can you go wash your, your cup so that we can wrap up and go into class or, or leave for the day? Um, you know, always saying like, all right, let's wrap it up uh, has been something that one year, one youth heard one time. And now it's just kind of what we say when we're ready to wrap up a a meeting so yeah, and we can do that with a little bit of sarcasm and joking too yeah absolutely it can be very playful um and yeah so we that's that's how we structure it's it's the the greeting getting connected empowering the body uh, with snacks food and uh usually a sensory item of some kind and then heading into whatever meeting we have before wrapping it up <laughs> let's wrap this up do you think that routine leads to less authentic interactions? Like if you're if you're planning out your day so much and you know, you know, come in, get your snacks, sit down, do this. Um, how does that inhibit, you know, natural interactions or? That's a really good question. And I could see how someone starting out with um, working with youth might might feel that it's it's inauthentic and it you know it, it couldn't possibly lead to to real connection but um, for me that's that's not the case at all because the routine is just me meeting the need of my you know my my young adult that I'm working with right routine is is connecting because it's giving them what they need to feel safe and if that's my mindset going into a routine then I, I can know that th- the motivation behind it is connection. It's not about the rigid structure. It's it's about creating a, a space for my young adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess we talked about me being self-disciplined. I think I am tempted to make it a rigid structure, but we're a team and I have people around me to remind me that it is about connecting. So that's why we all work together. Yeah. And you said you really like routines, so... Why is that, and what are some other ways that you personally implement routine into our week and our days? Yeah, so routine routine for me helps um, what is already a fairly unpredictable and, and flexible job become focused. It's really, it's good to be interruptible. I do want to be able to, like, put my work down if a young adult comes into my office and, and needs to chat. But if my life was constantly that, I would not be in a good place to serve my youth. So creating routine is a way for me to create a predictable environment that I feel safe in and that my staff can feel safe in and that my youth can feel safe in. And so they, you know, of course there are there are hiccups, but having a routine in place for, for each interaction helps 
the predictability. Awesome. So as you can hear Amanda speak about, we really believe in routine and we encourage you Um, If you're working in an organization that is small or is flexible to implement these kinds of routines in whatever way it works best for you. Everybody's different, but that's what works for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And moving on, we also believe that self-care is very important. Yeah, we do. So. You are are good at self-care. I forget things. Like self-care to me, okay, is drinking my water when I need to be drinking my water. And I forget that which is why I need routine to help myself remember these things. Well, with water, uh, I had kidney stones when I was in my early 20s when I didn't drink water. So that just completely switched a flip, flipped a switch, switched a flip, switched a flip, a switch in my brain and said, if I don't drink water, I'm going to get kidney stones. And kidney stones are awful and horrible. And so I started just drinking as much water as I could. And then I realized, oh, hey, I feel better when I drink water. So that's the story of why I drink so much water. Um, if you need a motivation, just imagine kidney stones. And I will you'll, try that. You'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm also like a super introvert. So if I don't take time for myself, I'm grouchy and I'm not serving my youth are doing my job in the best way I can. The first season of the Dry Ground Project podcast is sponsored by Lighthouse Transitional Care, a Christ-focused nonprofit organization in Riga, Latvia, working with young adults aged out of the orphan care system. Consider supporting the Lighthouse and learn more at lighthouselatvia.org. But what are some other ways to care for ourselves? in our jobs. Yeah, I, I, there are, there are so many ways. And the thing about self-care in general is that it's very particular to what you need, right? So to know what you need, you need to know yourself. So it starts with that mindfulness piece and knowing what you need to do your best at just about anything. Okay. So back to self-care, why is self-care important? It's a huge buzzword. We hear this term all the time, but you know, what does it mean to you, Amanda? Self-care is important because our youth need us for a long time, right? We're we're not here to help our young adults, you know, turn 19. We're here to help them become successful adults when they're in their 50s. And so if we can be present and be connected long-term, we're giving them what they need to become who they are and to walk out in, in their calling and in their identity, and so it's it's about that marathon ministry mentality of uh, being around long enough and not burning out. Yes. So again, this episode is all about the practical side. So practically, how are we building self-care into our organization? What does that look like? Tell us all about it. I would say probably one of the most important things we do is have coffee in our office. <laughs> uh it's you would say that I know it's silly but if if we feel like our our physical needs are met then we feel safe and we feel taken care of right and having um a nice chair to sit in at my desk versus a you know cruddy like rigid wooden chair like it just those small things help you feel like you're important in a workspace and um, they aren't like 
traditional or stereotypical self-care ideas of like a bubble bath and like really nice bath bombs, but they still, uh, it's these small things that pile up that make you feel seen and heard. Uh, so yeah, having coffee is excellent. Having a couch to nap on is wonderful. I've never seen you take a nap. Over. I cannot take a nap in the day. I but other people can. Other people. I also haven't, but Aaron has. Lots of naps. Yeah. Which is fine. He's meeting his needs. Exactly. Taking care of himself. Right. He's doing great. Okay. But <laughs> all joking aside, I think one of the most important things we do at the Lighthouse in terms of um, self-care is just being connected as a staff and really being a team. So can you talk about that and what it means for us to be a connected staff in terms of self-care? Yeah. Going back to that idea of, of ministry as, as a marathon, you can't do that alone. You know, we were made for community and we were made for connected, safe community. And when you're doing ministry with others, that's the type of environment that you need to do your job well. So having a connected staff, um, having a safe place for our staff to go to when they need to vent or when they need to admit to, to messing something up um, is really important because without that type of trust and safety, it's really hard to do the work that we do. Um, and also just the giving space for your staff to rest, right? Like the administrative days. Um, those are days for us to have a slower pace than we do in the middle of the week. And it's good for all of us. Yeah. So what do we do when hard things happen? How, like, what is the venting process? <laughs> for for me or for you? or <laughs> I'll answer, but you go first. Okay, I'll go first. Um, for me, venting is usually uh, taking, we have these, the squishy fidgets, mm -hmm. and they're really sticky. Um, and so I'll just go throw them at the wall and, and vent about whatever I'm mad about. And then I'm fine. Yeah, then everything's fine. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing's fine. But I feel better and I feel heard. Uh, and I feel like I had like a release of that, that you know, frustration. She'll cry often after throwing the Yes, pitches. usually that just is. Just a little happens. cry. Yeah, it's, it's a small one, but it's just what I need. Mm -hmm. But I can cry at work <laughs> because yeah. I have safe uh, staff and yeah, employees. For sure. I have had jobs where I have had to go to the bathroom and cry and then make sure I look normal coming out of the bathroom. But we've made sure that our workplace is safe enough that we can just start crying at our desks and everyone knows what's going on and it's a it's a real safe place. Um, so how do you uh, feel safe and connected at work then? I don't know. I just need to talk to you. And mm. I, I, I've told Amanda this many times like I just can't imagine doing this work with anybody else really anyone that I didn't fully trust because you know I I will make mistakes in my job and I will you know things will just come up that bug me um, because we can't fix everything and I really wish that we could but we can't and so I'll come to Amanda and just complain and 
whine about it. And if I couldn't do that with my boss, I don't know what I would do. And um, so I really appreciate that we're cultivating this culture of trust and I don't know, just the fact that it's okay to do that. Because like I said, at other jobs, crying in the bathroom and then showing up to a meeting with your boss and saying, everything's fine. I've got everything handled. That just doesn't work in the kind of work that we do. It's too hard. Yeah, I was about to say that the type of work that we do is too hard and too important not to have big feelings about it. And that means giving your team space to have big feelings about it because we're working in a really hard space. Yeah, so like if you are listening to this and you're working in a, as part of a big organization or if you're really low down on the totem pole at your job and you don't feel safe to express yourself in the ways that we're talking about, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I don't know what to tell you other than, you know, keep doing your best. Maybe start looking for a new job. <laughs> um, or, you know, if you can find ways to affect change, go for it. If, if someone is listening and they're not feeling connected to their team, what are some ways that they could work on that, work toward that kind of connection? I think, you know, if, if that person is a part of a, a really large organization, um, then they can focus on their space for rest uh, individually. Because, you know, if, if you're just showing up for work, um, it could be hard to make big organizational changes. But you can have good boundaries on your own rest and you can, you know, not pick up your phone after work hours and you cannot go in on the weekends when, you know, someone says that there's an emergency that you have to be there for, you know. Um, giving yourself that, that space is really important. Organizationally, I think, you know, what we do as a staff trickles down to how we interact with our clients. And so if we're rested, connected, and regulated, then our, we have the capacity to serve our clients, um, our youth, the best that we can. And so if you're in leadership in an organization, then you should be prioritizing your staff. You should make sure that they have their paychecks on time, that they have space to rest, that you're praying together as an organization, that you're encouraging uh, mental health care and support, um, that you know like where you're coming from and your own weaknesses as a leader so that you can work on those to help better your team as a whole. Yeah, those are some great examples of things we can do to be more connected. So one thing that we've learned through doing this work is a lot of information about attachment styles. Um, and this helps us in a variety of ways. But Amanda, how does this help us connect as a team? So knowing your own attachment style, um, knowing where you're coming from, will help predict why it might be challenging for you to interact with someone else with a different attachment style. All of us... Um, know generally where we are coming from and I think that's part of what makes our team really great because we can know uh, when we're you know bumping heads what what might be at play there from our own histories so knowing your attachment uh, and knowing the attachments of, of your team and, and trusting each other will help you uh, build safe and secure connections within the organization and also help 
kind of resolve conflict when you know where everyone's coming from. There are other great tools for building connections with your team. Like we joke all the time about our Enneagram numbers and our Myers-Briggs type. Yeah, Myers-Briggs type. Um, So, you know, knowing your personality, these are all really easy, great tools that you can find online for free that will point out a little bit about, you know, who you are and why you think the way you think. Uh, And, you know, I don't think any of us on the team are the same. (laughs) I don't think any of us have the same, the same mix of these, these types. And so it's really good to know those things about other people and know how they need things communicated and how they hear things. I've personally found, again, I feel like I feel myself, I hear myself kind of like speaking up for the, the little guy in the big organization. And that's because I've been that person at other jobs and I know how hard it is. Um, and I, I, when I found myself like less connected at work, I've definitely gone in and felt just like I didn't want to be there. But I've also found that the more I opened up to my coworkers, even if I didn't, you know, see eye to eye with them necessarily, but the more I talked about my own personal life, the more they'd open up about theirs and the more we ended up getting on the same page. And even my last job before coming to the lighthouse, I, it took a while but I did end up feeling connected to my team, and that was because we we just talked about our lives and what was hard. And so I think you can cultivate that even if you're not feeling it so much in the beginning. Um, and if there is someone that you really disagree with and you don't feel safe with, I don't know what can Well, from a leadership standpoint, I would say fire them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that sounds that sounds horrible but like if someone is really dragging down an entire team then again the work is too important one person can't derail an entire ministry because they haven't worked through what they need to work through so yeah and for um, a non-leadership standpoint obviously if you have an HR department you can go to them we don't have an don't HR have department <laughs> It's a really common joke around here that we yell for HR when yeah. there's some sort of issue, but they, they never answer us because they're not there. Because they don't exist. Um, and also, uh, I have experienced in my life um, not getting along with someone and intentionally praying for that person, and I have seen God change my heart for them. So that is possible. We obviously can't underestimate the power of prayer in what we do. It is vital. And Amanda, another thing you said was vital was coffee and pastries and snacks. Yeah. And I think we learned that from our youth um, because we know how important it is to provide them with healthy snacks and um, just how much they open up and connect over food. So would you say the same thing's true for us? Oh, yeah. I mean, food, food has such a power to um, let people feel connected and engaged with their community like everyone loves a good pastry we've been daydreaming about an almond croissant for like two weeks because we recently found it and it's just amazing we had one on tuesday (laughs) yeah had one on tuesday and it's all i've thought about all week long of just how nice that croissant was um but food just culturally brings people together, right? All over the world, this is how people come together to celebrate, to grieve, to connect. And 
so we're just we're stepping into that that same rhythm uh, intentionally. So like all of our staff meetings, there are pastries. It's become a joke. I think Aaron will walk in and be like, "See, pastries. I told you. I don't need to stop for pastries." He requires them. He <laughs> does require them. Pastries um, and naps. Sounds great to me. Yeah. How do you feel about traditional team building? This is more common again in those larger organizations, but what do we think about those? I yeah, I think in a in a large organizational setting where you may not necessarily know everyone that you are working with, team building can be a fun way to get connected. I think team building, intentional team building is really just shared experiences, right? So we came upon those organically um, because we were at the same camps, bonding over the same troubles and uh, and got connected in that way. Um, team building is, is super important, again, because if your team feels connected and safe and regulated, then that trickles down to the youth that you work with. But if it can't happen authentically, I guess there's nothing wrong with taking your whole team out to a high ropes course or going bowling or I don't know if you can cook a meal together or something anything just just get connected yeah act like you like each other fake it till you make it right build that routine okay so more about self-care as a leader um how do we make sure how do you make sure and how do you make sure your staff is getting the most out of their rest I think I think in general, um, self care for me is is not a strength, and that's why I approach it with that routine mindset because it, it doesn't feel natural to me to to stop and take care of myself. Um, this goes back to that knowing who you are and and knowing your weaknesses so that you can better serve others. So knowing that it's my weakness allows me to look at the self care of others and go. Um, okay, I, I know I'm so different from how this person needs self-care. So I'm going to give them the space to do self-care how they need it rather than going in and assuming that you need exactly what I need. And really seeing the individual is super important um, for any size team. It's harder in a or larger organization. but Yeah, I read a quote once that said, if you work with your brain – Sabbath with your body, and if you work with your body, Sabbath with your brain or your mind, and maybe we can even extend that to say, if you work with people, maybe you should Sabbath alone. I definitely feel that way, again, as an introvert. So, like, you know, each each person on our team needs something different, and, you know, if I'm telling them to only rest a certain way, then I'm getting in the way of what they need, and that's not the goal of self-care and because we're such a connected team I can tell Amanda to stop getting in the way yeah it's happened a couple times yeah actually the other day I was trying to make a reel for our Instagram just quick anecdote here (laughs) um I work kind of in the middle of our office in an open space whereas Amanda has her own office because she's the boss and Aaron, my husband, works in kind of our communal hangout room, but it also has a door. My office has no doors. So people come stand around my desk to have a conversation while I'm trying to make a reel to share the story of our great organization and what we're doing. And I can't focus because everyone's talking around me. And I just 
yelled at them to leave my space. And and what's hilarious about this anecdote is from my side, I was like, oh, Aaron has probably like not seen enough people. I need to make sure I go and interact with Aaron and, and you know, engage and connect. And so I was very intentionally trying to give Aaron just a human interaction, talking about whatever he wanted to talk about. And then I got yelled at. Because we're so connected. Right. <laughs> because I care. Yeah. Because I'm trying to do my best work for our organization. Yes. And we listened and we separated and went our, our own ways. But again, at any other job, if I yelled at my boss disrespectfully like that, I could have been in trouble. You are. I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, you're not. You're not. Well, joking, too. That's not on our technical list of things to talk about. But humor. Ugh. How could we function without laughing? We have so many inside jokes. Amanda does fire us constantly. um, And sometimes we just quit. But we're all still here because it's a joke and it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've I've probably quit my job more more than anybody. You know, it's hard. It's hard work. Uh, But if we can't go into that with with joy and humor and laughter and, you know, what's what's the point? What's the point? We need to laugh. Yeah, we need to work, but we need to enjoy our work also. Another thing we need to do that may or may not be enjoyable is continue our education. And I think we're doing this all the time. Um, I'm constantly always trying to learn. And that's because I am not trained for this. <laughs> um, we are paraprofessionals. So, Amanda, can you talk more about that and about continuing education? Yeah. So we we talk about this a lot in our space. You know, there are professionals um, all over the world willing to help young adults who have come from a place of trauma. Yeah. Maybe you actually are one of them who went to school for this. And the the bottom line is there just aren't enough mental health care professionals anywhere in the world for the amount of crisis that is happening. And the research from from several books that we've covered um, talks about the impact of well-trained paraprofessionals in helping young adults and specifically in mentoring relationships, um, helping young adults to heal. And that's why continuing education for a staff of paraprofessionals is super important because you can't just walk into this work with a big heart. A heart is great, but it's not enough for the types of care that our young adults need and need to thrive. So you've got to go into this with training. You have to go into this with good support, um, with a good community, and with practical tools to help sustain you. Yeah, we have some blog posts about our resources that we use in our work, um, books that we like, other podcasts that we learn from. So um, check out our blog and I'll also link some other episodes of our podcast where we talk about those things in the show notes. So yeah, check those out and keep learning. Um, This might be something again that takes self-discipline or maybe if you're a leader, it's something you could give your staff time to do. So um, we believe that that should be a priority for everybody. So I think it's time to wrap this up as we talked about earlier. Um, I 
hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We've talked a lot today about the importance of routine at work, um, creating a routine for your youth. We've talked about why self-care is important and how you can build that into your organization and your structure and the importance of connection, always connection, connection with your team, connection with you know, your family to stay healthy outside work and connection with the people that you're working with, the people that you're serving. So I hope there's something you can take away from this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, share it with a friend and have a great day and we'll see you in the next episode. You want to say goodbye? Goodbye. Let's wrap this up. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening. The Dry Ground Project is hosted and produced by us, Callie Newton and Amanda Bannister. Music and production support by Aaron Newton. Sound production and design by Jonathan Nevis. Find us online at thedrygroundproject.org, on Instagram at thedrygroundproject, and on Twitter at drygroundproj. See you next time.